0: The safe word is starting now. You're not too far. Have you been to Beard Poppers at the domain? No, what's beer papa's? They sell like cream puffs, you know, like uh, little pastries with stuffed with I don't I get it's like cold cream and they they're oh they are. Yeah, they're so good. Um, oh my
1: gosh, I need to go because there's even another place, Antoine, i miss seeing you and Louise because you and Louise would tell me where places where me and Theo would go. <laughs> um, there's this new place called Cranky Grannies that's Ooh, supposed uh, to open up a spot um, at the end of the month. And she sells like these really expensive uh, cinnamon rolls, but they like have peach cobbler and strawberry uh, shortcake. I know. When Antoine, I look at the pictures and I'm like, oh, like it is super expensive. I mean- Austin's foodie culture, I guess. But like for four, the regular flavor for four is like $26. <laughs> for an assortment, it's like 28 for four. But I'm like, I don't care. I'm
0: going yeah, to buy a, it's, a, it's a sometimes food. So you
1: can do that. Oh, 100%. We're not doing this every day. Cranky <laughs> Grannies.
0: I love a name too. Isn't that
1: so great? And she has this picture of like her and her grandma. It's like, I want To meet her so bad. I'm gonna drive by and be like, when I pick up mine, can I,
0: can I, not to crush on you, but you seem kind of awesome. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, No, You you mentioned Luis, and I've mentioned Luis on the podcast a couple times. should have him on sometime. I will at some point. Oh, totally. And then we need to
1: talk about his bird, because his bird is not only cute and juicy looking, but his name (laughs) is like a conversational
0: piece. I think I've mentioned the bird on the podcast before, too. Martian Manhunter.
1: Yes, you probably have. In fact, you're the one who told me about Luis's bird, because he was like, how did you
0: know? All right, so... Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Antoine R. Martin, he him pronouns, and you are listening to The Safe Word, the official podcast of The Safe Alliance. And we're recording over Zoom instead of in the lovely co-op radio recording studio that we used to record in before the pandemic. But hey, maybe uh, someday sooner than we might think, uh, we'll be able to get back into that recording studio and hang out with engineer Bob. Uh, Bob Daly works at co-op. He's he set us up. He's really awesome. Yeah. So joining me today, actually, Jackie, uh, would you mind introducing yourself?
1: Sure. Um, My name is Jacqueline Smith-Francis, she, her, hers. And to my colleagues and friends and most of my family members, I go by Jackie. It's great to be here with you today, Antoine. And I'm on the corporate, um, I call it the corporate development team. I'm really the corporate development team by myself, but um, I'm on the fabulous development team and I work with all of SAFE's corporate um, and organizational partners, which includes faith communities, sororities, fraternities clubs things like that folks who want to partner with us and help support survivors
0: yeah um, can you tell us if, so if you if you can hear my cat yelling
1: nope i can't but i love all pet appearances i'm 100 about it oh and your cat is black they're beautiful yeah
0: his name is Panini. Uh, our- Hi,
1: Panini. Oh, look at that. He's like, love on me, please, Antoine. Antoine, you're not gonna hold Panini. That seems unfair.
0: Uh, he doesn't like being held for more than like he he gives you the the like required like five seconds of holding and then he- okay. He- you know, this is exactly why I don't, I can't have a
1: cat because I need to guarantee that if I have a cat that it acts like a dog and then people, all my friends with cats tell me I can't really guarantee that. That just kind of happens. So I'm working on my my dog for a baby because I need hugs and nuzzles and- Do you have a dog? No, I have an imaginary one. I have names picked out for my dog. I've been looking like for the past six months. I just need like a fluffy hyperallergenic dog because I have really bad allergies. And then our place is probably too small for a lab because we're also really big lab people. I grew up with labs and so I'm really partial to them too.
0: But, nice, what
1: names do you have picked out? Mr. Pickles. Um, <laughs> yeah, and people I, I, people have to use the Mr. part. I also have Snowflake. I also have um, Mr. Cadillac. and there's a few gangster names I have picked out, like Santiago, which is part of the male protagonist in an old sister soldier book called The Coldest Winter <laughs> ever. Anyway, that's a long story. Um, I fully expect my dog to have um, a complex and to be a small dog, but think that, you know, no one can stop him anyway. And he's gonna be dressed up and he's mm-hmm. going to be non-binary even though he uses he, him pronouns. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, I plan to take him everywhere. I'm gonna be the person around the lake with my dog and like, you know,
0: a stroller. That That is who I am. Oh, I love that. It sound. I um, mean, it's an imaginary dog right now, but it. And, it and is, this, yeah. It sounds like (laughs) they are gonna have incredible personality.
1: They are, they are. And they're gonna be lovers of most people and not gonna think that they're a dog, but that's Uh an aside.
0: Um, So getting started, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what you do on the development team?
1: Sure thing, okay, so My primary responsibility is to work with companies and organizations who are interested in engaging with SAFE's work. And the primary way that I kind of um, develop these relationships is by sharing about who SAFE is. As I'm sure you can imagine, SAFE has, uh, well, SAFE. Austin is a growing city and with a lot of new businesses. And I kind of love that about Austin, both the local businesses, but also kind of the, the new mixture of tech and really just innovative and creative businesses, things like alert media, things that we just kind of take for granted. And so I work with those partners to find different ways to engage with SAFE. And over the years that I've been doing this work, it's been really kind of cool and creative to see everything from burlesque shows to um, car enthusiasts, ballet dancers, third graders, and everything in between create ways to really amplify safe message about stopping violence for everyone but also to see how employees and sometimes their leadership teams and their owners really get behind safe message and so it's about finding the right need for a community um, maybe when they first start off they might be interested in safe institute and then we can maybe introduce them to our volunteer opportunities or maybe they start off volunteering then they want to do an in-kind drive um, sometimes they come to us and say you know what what's the best way for us to give? And we say, let's talk about what meets um, your company's mission with SAFE's kind of philanthropic and survivor-centered goals. So it's a really fun job. Every day, there's never a day that's the same, which is sometimes good. Sometimes I'm like, how about some consistency? But um, it's a lot of fun meeting new people and finding um, folks in various businesses or organizations who are also passionate about supporting survivors. And, and that's really fulfilling for me. I, I love to
0: see people get jazzed about us. Yeah. And it's awesome to see so many you know, different, different people, different organizations uh, who are interested in supporting our work and care about survivors and preventing violence. Yes.
1: It really is. That's one of the things that like kind of blows me away. Like um, a few kind of things that have really moved me over the years was um, I've gone to different companies and I've had probably three times where uh, an employee will come and share with me after my presentation that they actually lived at Safe Place And that safe place was a part of some aspect of their childhood or adulthood and the ways in which our organization had um, a really influential and pivotal role in their development and or helping a friend or a family member. So that's always been like, oh, my gosh, like that makes your work feel really, really just relevant, but also to see the change over time that what um, a kind of holistic approach to survivor-centered resources can do in a person's life. And then I'm always fascinated by the creative ways that people give. Like we had um, Liquibase uh, do a Groundhog Day fundraiser and members from their executive leadership team jumped in Town Lake. I was like, this is fabulous. Oh, uh, we've had the one of the gay flag football teams, um, they would sometimes do like a beer crawl or other types of fundraisers that was really... I mean, just to see the different types of organizations, book drives and donations of ice cream. And like I said, burlesque dances and all matter of, and I think that's, what's also really interesting is to see how people combine like their, their organization or their company's kind of mission and personality into something that's going to actually benefit safe. And so I'm always sharing like, be as creative as you want to. It makes us all very excited as staff. I mean, If you just want to sell people, donate however much they can, that's great. But I I think about even um, 10,000 Villages. They've done a lot of great fundraisers for us over the years, you know, in helping um, support women globally who make their own, you know, jewelry and, and goods and then, you know, allowing people in the community to make those purchases of those items and then support SAFE. So I think, I always say there's, there's always a space within the agency that fits with everyone, I think, and the way that they want to give back to the community. So it's fun kind of helping
0: groups figure that out. Yeah. And uh, you haven't always been on the development team at SAFE. What did you do here before?
1: <laughs> so prior to the development team, I was actually on the community education team. And in community ed, I was really, really tasked with the awesome responsibility and privilege of reaching out to BIPOC communities mostly, but also um, QPOC communities and just really sharing about SAFE's resources and the ways in which um, we know that historically underserved communities like queer communities and Black and Indigenous communities are disproportionately impacted by violence and abuse and just finding ways to connect with those communities in Central Texas, share about our resources, create partnerships with them. I was really proud of um, a training that Andrea Perry and I, she was former director um, of sexual assault services. We did one for AIDS services at Austin. And that was just an amazing, just training opportunity and a great moment to partner with a a really prominent, important organization that I've admired. And then also do things like with a faith awareness group that was um, a bunch of different kind of Black churches and women organizing in Black churches around Austin to educate their their congregations about violence and abuse. And that was also really creative to see all of these different Black women of different ages um, concerned about violence and abuse and talking about sexual assault. And I think, you know, breaking down these stereotypes that like church people don't talk about sexual assault or don't want to talk about violence and abuse. And we know that the work that we do at SAFE is challenging for for everyone, right? It's not um, talking about harm and violence is is never easy, but I think we move towards a greater and healthier future when um, we don't sweep things under the rug. So I loved being a part of the community education team. And that also provided me with a lot of the context that um, I continue to have today Um, and, and doing fun things like in my roles with community ed and Dev, it's like, okay, well, you know, you're gonna get, you're gonna have the opportunity to go on, you know, KZI or to do um, other fun, kind of creative ways of sharing about Save, going to the Pride Festival, to KZI's um, music festival that they have prior to COVID, just really creative venues in spaces to talk about safe. And so I'm grateful that both in my development role and in community education, I've had the opportunity to kind of share about who we are in spaces that people probably wouldn't think about. And so that's been really fulfilling and fun. I mean, you can't be going to a concert as part of work, right?
0: (laughs) Right. Um... Not a bad life. And, and so someday we'll be able to go to actual concerts again. As, as
1: oh, people. tell me about it, Antoine. Yeah. Uh, I was lamenting that over the Mother's Day weekend. I was like, man, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Versus on Instagram. That's been keeping me really happy. All of the different, they have like these battles, although they've become a lot more um, collegial, if you will, okay. than battles. But uh, a lot of hip hop bands, some of them really old school, like... Um, Uh, The Isley Brothers and Earth, Wind & Fire was like a really big throwback. So that's kind of like my parents' generation of music. This past Sunday, they had SWV and Escape, which was like kind of a classic R&B group that I grew up listening to when I was in junior high and high school. So it's just made me really nostalgic. And I think I needed that nostalgia in COVID in the midst of like, There's no live music and I can't go see my friends like I used to. So I think we're all waiting to return to hopefully a healthy space in our community where we can do more of the things we enjoy.
0: Yeah, for real. Um, So we started off talking about food and that's a personal passion of mine. Um,
1: I love it, Antoine. I'm with you 100%. I love to eat, to drink. I always have like three things of beverages usually. A tea, a coffee, and a water.
0: Uh, Have have you had any, tried any new standout foods recently? That's a good question.
1: You know, I've really been on the tried and true rhythm lately. Like a few weeks ago, it was my birthday and I went back to Home Slice. Like I'm really not an eventful. Once I find a place that I like, I'm kind of like sold on it. But I do want to try Cranky Granny's, Mm -hmm. which is a new local owned place that sells delicious cinnamon rolls. And now what was the place that you shared with me?
0: beard papas
1: beard papas i need beard papas i'm all about the creaminess um i'm trying to think of something i saw oh and i saw recently is it called happy chicks and i think it's a chicken place and i need to google it and so i'm curious about it my partner and i were driving at burn yesterday and i was looking at some of the businesses that are closed which made me sad but also seeing a lot of new places um like i want to try the new hot chicken place i'm into chicken Mm -hmm. and I feel funny seeing that as a black woman in terms of stereotypes about chicken but I really do like chicken fried chicken in particular so I saw happy chicks and I'm like okay is that like feminist inspired hot chicken Mm -hmm. I gotta
0: see I speaking of chicken I this was several months ago but during the pandemic I finally got around to having Gus's fried chicken my Um, parents are
1: huge fans I can't eat it because I'm allergic to peanut butter Oh, and peanut no. oil, and it's fried in peanut oil, but what did oh, you think? No. Everyone loves Gus's. Oh, I thought it was
0: incredible, and for the price, like it was nuts, ah. it, was, it, was, it was not very expensive, and it is um,
1: reasonable,
0: and it was so good, uh, I mean, my it, parents are big fans, they're happy that they
1: just created or started a guest somewhere near the Bay Area, so my parents are like all about it, because I think it started in the south, so
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know if there's any in Illinois, but one of my friends from Illinois told me about Gus's fried chicken.
1: Oh, nice. So that's
0: that's how I even knew it was a place.
1: Antoine, I appreciate that. I'm starting to wonder with Gus's if people end up going because someone tells them about it because that's how my parents found out about it and they ate it somewhere else before they ate it in their hometown and so and I've heard that from quite a few people even when I went with some girlfriends and then you know had to just eat like the coleslaw because I couldn't eat the chicken um it was because some other friends had told us how good it was nice is there only one location in Austin the downtown one
0: I'm pretty sure yeah yeah um yeah, the other, I recently had, uh, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it, Nixta or Nishta Taqueria. Um,
1: Where's that?
0: It, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I just put it in the GPS and then I arrived there.
1: Are you serious, <laughs> so, Antoine? I, I've been here oh for five stuff? years
0: and I have no idea how to navigate this city.
1: That's hilarious. I love it. See, my partner is like, he's, okay, so I'm kind of directionally challenged, although he did teach me how to read a pretty mean map. And I'm good at it now, but I usually look up places before I go, even when I'm going to visit donors, because I'm like, I need to at least like have some cross street references or you know something like that. So I admire
0: you because I'm like, what if
1: what if the GPS was wrong? You're just going to
0: end up somewhere. Yeah, then I guess yeah, you you have to ask for directions. Which sounds terrifying. Does that even
1: happen now? Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, I need you to tell me like our next podcast needs to be like. No, we need to do like a Jimmy Kimmel where you go out and ask people <laughs> questions and let's see how many people give us directions or actually give us correct directions. That would be kind of funny.
0: Oh yeah, I imagine like if you were to even like try to flag somebody down and be like, hey, excuse me. Like they're just gonna, they probably have their- People are you know, like, yes, the bots on.
1: are in in addition to like stranger danger. Plus uh-huh. people are gonna be like, nah, nope, nope, yeah. nope.
0: Yeah, I, I, and I honestly, I wouldn't blame them and I would do the same thing. That's just-
1: yeah, they would have to catch me like maybe mid stride mm-hmm. walking and they approached me walking from a car. I
0: think, like, yeah, that's like, sending us some red flags. Yeah, yeah
1: have... exactly. Thank you, Antoine. Well said. That I'm glad you saw the marquee across my forehead. <laughs> yeah. That was like, like, is that because of where we work or is that out what anybody would think? But yeah,
0: I'm sure the work influences us a little bit, but I think so. I think so. 100%. Um. So, so you mentioned uh, coffee and tea, or do you, do you have a, a preference, coffee or tea? You know, I think um, it's changed
1: over the years. I I will say I started working when I was 14 and one of my first jobs was at Starbucks. Don't judge mm-hmm. me. Listeners, if you aren't Starbucks fan, And one of the things that I appreciated about that experience is I had a really amazing manager, Jason, um, and he taught me that really coffee was like wine, Mm -hmm. that depending on the part of the world that it's from, how it's processed, it deserves to be paired with certain desserts or foods or appetizers. And that subsequently led to my interest in tea. Plus, my partner is from part of the British Caribbean. And when I met him, he introduced me and made fun of me that I drank Lipton tea. (laughs) <laughs> and since that time, I've now become kind of a tea connoisseur in terms of I love oolongs, a great um, big fan of places like the Steeping Room. And Tivana. I always kind of was like, eh, no one really drinks chocolate tea who really drinks tea. So I will say that I love both equally. I've tried to like kind of pare back some of the caffeine. So now my favorite everyday tea is Irish black tea from Trader Joe's. Mm. You can't go wrong with it with a little bit of vanilla almond creamer. And I love a good vanilla latte with almond milk or my new favorite is oat milk. Oh yeah. Oh, oat milk is a game changer. Uh, Um, And so I like trying new coffee places, new tea places. And so, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of both. I think they both have really amazing features and I'm really picky about both. And I usually try and create avenues when I'm meeting with donors to say, let's go try a new coffee or tea shop.
0: So, I wish I wish I knew more about tea. I if I'm if I'm getting a tea, I'll I like an Earl Grey or um, or sometimes I'll get a London Fog if I'm going. Yeah,
1: London Fog. Area. We'll do a Lady London Fog, like which is like the lavender mm-hmm. in of it. Um, okay. And I've never been an Earl Grey girl. In fact, um, Rachel from the Grants team we used to yeah. go back and forth about this when we'd be making tea um, when we were all still working at HQ. She likes Earl Grey, right? She does, she does. And that's why I would say Rachel, you know what, we have so much in common, but just your tea choices have disqualified you. So we would laugh about that. Um, And then her being from Australia, another former British colony, Mm -hmm. we talk about the hierarchies of tea, uh, which is obviously problematic because of colonialism, but also a lot of fun. So, um, and I encourage you to, one thing i found at the Steeping Room, a lot of their um, associates are really knowledgeable. So just teaching you about where the tea comes from, how it's processed. And then also making good recommendations, I think is really nice because I'm getting into herbals mm. and learning the herbals I like since I don't like peppermint and I don't like chamomile. Mm. So that's been a bit of a challenge for me, but mm. um, I also think it's a lot of fun and I think it makes good gifts if people like it.
0: Oh yeah. I, I think it's, I don't know if it's just an Austin thing or what, but you know how like, feel like baristas and people who do stuff with tea, like there's, expectation that they're going to be like snobbish or whatever and from my that's experience true. they're super friendly and just want to help you're down like, earth people yeah
1: you know, and i always that's why ch- thank you for saying that Antoine. because i always share with people it's like wine like i don't think we judge people for like saying you know like how can you can you order me a really good wine or can you, yeah. you know like i'm from the era of when tuba chuck came out <laughs> and i was i was a young late teen maybe early 20th person. And there's nothing like inexpensive, um, tasty, either beverages or foods. And so I think people um, appreciate when they have a friend or family member who can make a good recommendation on something good, whether it's a hot day in the summer and you want a nice iced tea or, Mm. you know, it's a sad day and it's rainy, or maybe it's just and overcast and you want something warm. I think yeah. they're, they're great conversational pieces. And mm-hmm. thank you. We're not all snobby, those of us who like tea.
0: Right. So you've kind of touched on this already, but what would you say are some of the aspects of your own past that help you in your work today?
1: I think it was really important to me to connect with an organization that focused on the intersections of my own identity and not just how like all of the different axes in terms of how I identify, but um, I'll never forget being around 12 or 13 years old. Maybe I was a little older, but being my best friend were in the mall and an older man um, when we were this age was trying to get us to come and sit on his lap and to come with him. Yeah, awful, awful story. But I'll always remember that moment because it kind of crystallized for me in a very experiential way, the ways in which certain individuals and communities are kind of preyed upon. And I always thought that that was wrong, even though at 13, I didn't have the language for why that was wrong. I just knew it wasn't right. And so as I moved through the world, I had a lot of different other experiences of seeing other people Mistreated or abused because of their gender or their ethnicity or a linguistic barrier or their their sexual identities and or expression of those um, identities and I just always had a core part of me that was really social justice focused. I was the person giving condoms to my friends in high school. Like, do you guys know about HIV AIDS? Um, and, and that has been a core part. And I, th- and I think my parents, they're both um, in the health field. And um, I always just, I remember going to my first Planned Parenthood rally, which was with my mom. And I was probably like 19. And that was also a real kind of flowering development like, wow, here are all these men and women and girls and and young men advocating for their rights. And Gloria Steinem was at that rally and I had read her books and it it just really brought to light to me the importance of reproductive health and agency, the importance of autonomy, the importance of, of choice. When do we get to make choices? And The other period, um, much of it, again, undergrad, was when um, I saw older seniors go on a hunger strike because our administration had ignored a sexual assault on campus. And the kind of politicization of that moment for me in terms of Um, who gets listened to, who has power, and so discussions of power. Um, And so all of those experiences really inform my current work and I think have led me to organizations like SAFE. I say before I even found how to really get to UT properly, I found SAFE Place because I wanted, when I moved to Austin from California, to get kind of connected back to a community of people who cared about survivors. And I completed the core advocate training probably about Fourteen or fifteen years ago, um, it was shortly after I moved to to Austin, and that training, you know, changed my life. It gave even more words to understand what deaf communities experience around violence abuse. To understand that, um, you know, violence and abuse is less likely to happen. And I knew some of this from undergrad, but just to have. 40 hours of training doing it, I was like, wow. And so I think there's been a lot of experiences, both familial, and personal. I had a friend in undergrad who was sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these experiences greatly uh, influenced the, the trajectory of my work, both my undergraduate and graduate study, but also my work at SAFE. Um, and so I, I believe the personal is political. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the foundation of, I think, feminist tenets and queer theory and- and I continue to believe that who we are personally, where we're born, who our parents are, what resources and privileges we do have access to, and those that are more maybe vehemently denied because of our positionalities really inform our politics um, and the way that we move through the world. And I just feel like that's integral. In addition to some of my first young experiences, like being 19, going to a pride festival in San Francisco, some of the best times of my life. Yeah. <laughs> we we'll talk about those in case my parents listen to this podcast. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yes. yeah, that's, that's awesome that uh, uh, I, I feel like you mentioned the core advocate training and it makes me think of like all the things that I've learned being here at SAFE and the I I learned something new from you every time we talk, I feel like. uh,
1: I feel the same way, Antoine. We have the best conversations. And even if we're just lacking, I'm like, thank you, Antoine. (laughs) And just the way that like, I was taught, I had really traumatic work experiences over different parts of my life. And it's been a blessing and a privilege to work at SAFE, where even as colleagues, we try and respect one another. We work on just affirmation and boundaries and encouragement and collaborative teamwork where I didn't think it was possible to have a healthy team (laughs) and safe really taught me that um, coming out of some toxic spaces, that's really affirming to learn from your colleagues, to enjoy meetings with them and, and to feel supported by them. So I just also have the utmost respect for you and and Piper and Louise and Mari and previously Emma and uh, all the work that you guys do to support the development team. I mean, I feel like we're, we're the combined team of superpowers because it's, a lot that we ask of you guys, and we couldn't do this work without you guys. Oh, you're you're too kind. Of Thank you. I just tell people I'm really not kind. I just tell the truth. Sometimes, <laughs> um, not always. Yeah, the well, best move. But yeah, really. I'm glad.
0: And, and he taught
1: me give honor where honor is due. Thanks. Uh,
0: and and uh, for anybody listening who doesn't know all the the people you just mentioned, you just listed off our the entire communications team mm-hmm. uh, and uh, former member of the communications team, Emma. Um who I, uh, to cycle way back, um, Emma, now that we're all vaccinated, uh, me, Luis, Emma, and Emma's partner are planning to go to um, I have to look up what it's called. a It's a place that sells tacos, Ooh. cocktails, and waffles. <laughs> stop the noise okay Antoine so I'll
1: need you to go ahead and send me a slack message when you guys go okay I can know where to go because I'm serious about waffles cocktails tacos I mean I think the Texans y'all are wearing me on the tacos but (laughs) every once in a while I still do want a good taco that's amazing
0: it's called taco flats I just looked
1: at the where is it located should I ask you
0: Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to GPS
1: it. Okay. I'll Google after our combo. Yeah. Austin, Texas. Taco Texas. Flats. I, lo- Austin, Texas. <laughs> I look forward to it. I look forward to it. That sounds, mmm, waffles. Okay. That has me kind of hungry now.
0: If you can, I'm not sure if you can hear that. The, the cat's going nuts out there.
1: But wait, is Panini like, is it time to hold him? Panini. Come here.
0: Uh, he probably wants food.
1: Or oh, he's coming. Hey. Oh, Panini does want love. I told you.
0: Listeners could see, so yeah, he's gotten Hi, into this,
1: ha- this
0: habit of, oh, he wants attention, we do want to be held.
1: So what does that mean? I explain that to me. That's why I think I understand dogs better. Like if you want attention, that means you want to be like held, looked at, played with, things thrown at, do cats
0: fetch? Not, uh, I, my dad had a cat who fetched, but I think it's pretty rare. It's a rare trait. Okay, okay. Uh, but I can also in a weird way kind of relate. Sometimes like I want attention, but it's more like I want to be paid attention to so I can say, like, leave me alone. It's <laughs> mm, like that's so a, that's I need a to think about
1: that. I want to be paid attention to. Okay, and I wonder if that's a personality thing. Are you, a, did we talk about this? Are you a Leo? No, but I am fire signs, Sagittarius. Okay, that's December.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, I don't know a lot about you guys.
0: I'm sorry, but... Yeah. Um, well, I'll- you know, fire fire signs get kind of dramatic. That's the...
1: Are are Scorpios filer signs?
0: No, Scorpio is water. I'm gonna get in trouble for not knowing.
1: Uh, I don't need to know either. Okay. All gotcha. I know is I'm an Earth are sign. You? My partner's an earth sign. We're Taurus. I'm a Taurus. He's an Aries. Oh, okay. But I'm very dramatic and and oftentimes emotionally needy. But usually when I want people to pay attention to me, I'm like, no, it means pay attention to mm. me. Listen to my story. I'm gonna be dramatic. I want love and affection that, that sounds to then be left
0: alone that sounds very taurus like a little a little bit of direct, <laughs> directness but also some like high high emotions yeah
1: <laughs> yes we tend to be very passionate dramatic uh, people yeah and we always think we're right so yeah if we ever debate anything antoine no, I'm well, that's that's because
0: that's because you always are right. That's why you feel like,
1: it, right? <sighs> Antoine, This is why our professional relationship is so
0: amazing. Yeah. Did, did I say the right thing? I get points. Yes. For
1: that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> winning. You are winning right now. Yes.
0: I guess let's. Uh, I got one. One more question for you, sure. Here. And you've said this in so many words, but um, in what ways do you think corporate giving and, and what you do on the development team supports, saves? Core work to prevent violence and abuse?
1: So, one of the things that gives me the most uh, kind of pleasure and joy is the opportunity to educate various employees and companies about SAFE's comprehensive services. And so I love that um, when I'm able to engage and work with companies and organizations, I get to tell them, okay, we're not just like this, quote, women's shelter. Everyone's like, the women's shelter. I'm like, please, no, no, no. We, we work with all survivors of violence and abuse and on a continuum, right? Like if your violence and abuse happened 50 years ago or this morning, um, SAFE is available to support you through um, kind of direct intervention resources like our shelter and case management and housing. Uh, therapeutic services, which is more of a healing component along with life skills, but also prevention education. I love being able to offer safe institute. I like being able to hold space for people to disclose if they so choose. Um, And so I see my role in a really kind of non traditional way, even though I don't work directly with survivors, I interface a lot with survivors and I interface with those who've been impacted by our issues. And it's an incredible opportunity uh, for me to learn that and to continue to reiterate that violence and abuse has no target demographic, that it affects people of all genders, of all ethnicities and and linguistic differences and ethnicities and, and races. And I think that's really important to share and also to dispel stereotypes. I think it gives me an opportunity because I've worked with survivors in the past To kind of dispel popular myths, like, you know, one of the favorites that the rapist is going to kind of jump out of the bushes. And that's not to say that someone cannot experience sexual assault from someone they don't know, but more often it is someone that they know. Um, It's important to continue challenging this idea that survivors ask for. it. I remember being radicalized as a young woman around Mike Tyson and Robin Givens, and people were like, why did she go up to his room? You know, and women were saying that, and the same thing with Anita Hill, these very Mm canonical cases in popular culture um, that really just showed me um, patriarchy and and sexism, but also the importance of saying, you know what, no one asks to experience violence and abuse. I don't care what they do. And um, that continues to motivate me. So every time I can share with a group even if they aren't expecting it, which is sometimes my favorite Mm -hmm. um, to go in there like, yes, we're going to help the children and the women, and then kind of do a more politicized. And it's not to say that we don't help people who identify as women and people who are children, Mm -hmm. but it, it is to say that no matter how we identify as individuals that This is an issue that is important. That um, I recently heard a great friend and mentor of mine, Amanda Lewis, who's with TASA, Texas Association Against Sexual Assault, say, you know, if You say that you don't know anyone who's experienced sexual assault, it's because someone didn't tell you. It's not because you don't know them. And um, that's powerful to me. And so the opportunity to educate individuals about our services, but also to say, hey, we need your help. This is a community project. If you're concerned about your children's future, your partner's future, your own future, the next generation's future, or even just what happened in the past. Safe is an agency worthy of your time and of your of your generosity. And so it's it's a, an incredible privilege to meet with people who respect and want to contribute to our work and to advocate for work that I believe in. So sometimes companies are funny to work with, but it also is helping me address some of my own implicit biases, which I think is always healthy too, which makes me a better person. So... Yeah, thank you for helping me be reflective about what I do. This is, dang, okay, Antoine, you've given me another tool. I just need to have an interview every
0: once in a while to be Uh like,
1: oh, contentment, it finds me. Okay, (laughs) stop being ungrateful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, it's, I'm glad that you mentioned all that because it's it's always uh, good to hear and be reminded that uh, there are people who work at Safe, and, you know, people in the community in general who have this understanding that it's not just violence against women, and, you know, we know that's, you know, disproportionately that is the case, but it's not just that. That's right. And it's not just that it's violence against any particular gender. That's right. But under people who understand the dynamics of specific communities who are differently. Um, yes. Like, uh, you know, LGBTQ plus communities yes. um, experience Any violence like communities? at a disproportionate rate yes. too. And mm-hmm. people who understand the intersections of LGBTQ plus people who experience violence, experience <laughs> violence differently and have different access to resources than yes. uh, Black LGBTQ yep. plus people. And yeah, you know, it's just nice to know that there are people who have understanding of those different intersections and are here to tell the world about them because I think there is a tendency to focus on a, on a kind of white decidedly white.
1: It. Yeah no I 100% agree and that's even why you know going back to your earlier question in terms of what really informs my work I think the blessing of growing up in the Bay Area of being exposed and having relationships with queer people and LGBTQIA communities um, through my work with just through my work of growing up in Berkeley and spending a lot of time in the Castro. As a twenty-something, um, but also, you know, my advocating and activism with HIV/AIDS work, you know, and the politicization of needing to speak um, our truth as queer people, as um, allies for queer people, and and to recognize just. The intersections of identity that my really wealthy friend in an undergrad who was an Asian gay man experienced really different barriers than my friends who were maybe white lesbians and were working class, you know. And the same thing for me as a black woman who moved into middle class identity by virtue of my degrees versus, um, you know, someone else who was maybe black and also a woman, but, you know, didn't have a formal education uh, that was kind of validated by our society in the same way, or, you know, my current partner is a man, and so heterosexual privilege, and so all of those things, and I think about, I educate my my faith community, like to be in a Judeo Christian faith, is to have privilege in the United States. And so, what does that mean for showing up for our Muslim uh, brothers and sisters, or our Jewish brothers and sisters, or people who choose not to practice the same faith? And so, um, just believing that intersectionality is one of the most important things that we can learn about ourselves and about each other. Um, And I definitely have seen that play out in COVID. We know that that shows up in violence and abuse, but I think it also makes us richer, more creative, varied and interesting people.
0: Well, thank you, Jackie, for taking the time to talk and be open and share. This has been really enlightening.
1: It's been really lovely to be with you today and Panini when he wants to. And thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to reflect on some of the most meaningful aspects of the work and the community that I have here at Safe. It is a blessing and it's unique and it's precious. And I know, hey, work is work. So we don't always appreciate it. But thanks for this moment of reflection. And yeah,
0: I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank it's you. I hope you
1: have a good rest of your day.
0: Yeah, you too. It's been awesome seeing you and hopefully you we'll see more of each other in person too.
1: I know. Do you know if we have plans? Are you guys planning on coming back? I know Piper mentioned um, maybe you guys going in once or twice a week.
0: Yeah, yeah. At some, at some point right now we're experimenting with Mondays. We have our Monday team oh, meetings nice. and we're doing those oh. in person
1: now. Oh, are you guys, are you guys meeting at HQ? Or are you guys going some more fun?
0: All right. We're doing HQ for now, but we're not not ruling out going somewhere. fun. Well, awesome, Antoine. Well, I
1: hope you have a good rest of your day. And thanks again for asking me. And um, I hope there's some decent material for the podcast for you.
0: Oh, it's excellent. This has been wonderful. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you. It's been a nice afternoon for me, too.